Basketball season won't be around forever, so get in on all of the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using code THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, steal, assist means so much with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy lineup. Baseball fans, you might have missed out on a season-long fantasy, so now is the time to get in on all the daily fantasy action where DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players. So what are you waiting for? Head to the app now. That's right. Download the DraftKings app now and use code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. I was walking through the halls of a Minnesota rink. When along came a wild fan who started talking smack to me. He said, I bet you never liked the blues until they won a cup. So I calmly turned to him and said, hey man, listen up. I admit it's pretty great to win Lord Stanley's prize, but listen. I've been waiting for this moment my whole life. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Heartbreak's all I knew, man. That team from old St. Lou, man. Got a cup in here, 52, man. Give me a let's go blues. I know Jackman, Johnson, Eastwood, Backman, Wait, Walt, Hanzoos, Nastrake, Jansen, Boys Young, Jammer King, Salvador, Korea, Brewer, Lowe, Pollock, Finley, Turk, Sanya, Buganecki, Jay McKee, McDonald, Mellon, Buchanan, Kavanaugh, Mason, Manny, Stillman, Stephanie, Yak, McClement. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Heartbreak's all I knew, man. That team from old St. Lou, man. Got a cup in year 52, man. So give me a let's go blues. <laughs> The starting lineup for your Blue Notes podcast. Tom Franklin and the man called Wags. And Blues fan reacts, also known as Mason. Hello and welcome to Blue Notes. We are on the greatest city on the Mississippi, the greatest town in the Midwest. We've got that Stanley Cup fever. Not Stanley Cup fever. We got that Stanley Cup fever. I don't know. It's Tom's thing. I I, I don't get it. Power. I, I I, yeah, <laughs> I power. Power. Too sweet to be sour. And if you don't know who, what we're talking about, we're talking about St. Louis. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, are we glad to be talking about St. Louis Blues hockey tonight, Mason, because we had a, a pretty damn good St. Louis Blues game this afternoon. Didn't start off so great, but it was a pretty good finish. And it was all the result of our massive, amazing, wonderful Captain Mr. Ryan O'Reilly, who basically just said, fuck it, I'm doing it myself. Mason, uh, how you doing today, and how about that win? Uh, doing okay. Not quite sure what to make of that win, because... Hello? Paging the St. Louis Blues? <laughs> who the fuck was that? It wasn't us. It couldn't have been us, because the Blues would fall apart in the second period and let them score 20 goals and would go down 2 nothing early, except not come back. They'd just straight up lose the game. 
I, I mean, it's, it's a welcome change for sure, but like, okay. And we scored, like, this game had everything. It had a five on three power play goal, which literally hasn't been scored since 2016. Four years? Four, five, Four, almost five years? Five years. Unbelievable. And, you know, it's like you said, what can you make of this? Because it is one game. You know, the, the Avalanche have dominated us the last six games. Uh, we just haven't looked all that great. Now, granted, the last time we played Colorado, you know, we got down early. They put a, a furious comeback in. They almost tied that game up. So you could almost sit there and say maybe you saw the seeds of this a little bit, that, that they could actually play with Colorado. But then for have, to have the Avalanche just jump out to a 2 nothing lead less than five minutes into that game, and the way they went about it, too. I mean, Landis being absolutely wide the fuck open in front of the net. I don't know what to say about that, but I will say this. On the replay, if you watch that replay, once the goal scored, you saw Ryan O'Reilly turn around, and on national TV, you just saw him mouth fuck. And now that you look back on it, seven minutes or so into the end of the game, that was the moment where I, th- I, I think Ryan O'Reilly just essentially broke and said, look, if no one else is going to do this shit, I'm going to do it myself. And he absolutely took over that game. So it didn't start off great. But maybe we'll see that this might be a changing point for the Blues. Ryan O'Reilly put this team on his freaking back this entire game. He did exactly what you said. You know, you guys aren't going to do it. Fine. I'll do it myself. And he scores two highlight reel goals. Just absolutely. That first one, I don't know who he was passing to. That was pretty lucky. But that, oh my God. Highlight reel, highlight reel level shit, you know, from Ryan O'Reilly. Well deserved. Uh, to to have the captaincy badge right now. I mean, you know, you look at the, the Blues and the the complete loss of leadership that we've had this offseason, and you're kind of wondering, like, we, we all knew that Ryan O'Reilly could be this, but what took so long? That's a great question. But, I, I mean, I also look at it and sit there and think, okay, for so long, this was Alex Petrangelo's team. For so long, this was Alexander Steen's team that I think Ryan O'Reilly just needed to find his voice and to find what worked for him to lead this team. I don't I don't think that this team didn't respect him or didn't want to follow his lead. I don't think that was it at all. It was really more so about him finding his voice and finding his leadership mm-hmm. style. And unfortunately, it did. It took a little longer. And I think the big part of that is the fact that you had such a short offseason as far as training camp's concerned. Two weeks of training camp, you don't have the time to, you know, to blood, sweat, tears, through the preseason to, to really find yourself as a team, you had two weeks where some of those guys weren't even there. And now we're starting to see the seeds of that as, as we see Tom Franklin joining us uh, on the lake. Trouble. On the lake. Like, seriously, like if, if, if I, you know, tilt this a little lower, I mean, it'll spoil the you know image that I'm actually like on top of the lake, which is not true. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not a jealous. I'm jealous as hell right now. I could use a nice relaxation because I mean, I I'm just so mentally drained after that damn game. Well, look, I, I, listened, I, I, I didn't your... even watch it because I hate NBC. I hate their broadcasting crew. So yeah, I, I listened to it. Yes, I listened. He single handedly ruined that for me. But I I looked at I I only had to listen to this game. I listened to this game because of that, and I still was going through like emotional highs and lows, like I was watching it. Chris Kerber does a great job of that. 
he really does. I, I got to listen to his call during the third period. I had something kind of come up, which is why I'm here alongside the lake here. Um, everything's okay. Nothing, no one, not, nothing really bad or anything, but uh, um, yeah, it was, it was, I'm with you, uh, Mason, you know, blues games, you know, you never can fully buy in to what you're seeing on the screen if they're playing well, because you just know heartache is always around the corner. And thankfully today, uh, you know, yes, the second period was rough because that's blues hockey and that's that's how they work. Um, but besides that, I mean, it was I, I was encouraged a lot by how, how they were playing, especially Ryan O'Reilly. I mean, you know, he's the captain of the team. He is the guy that needs to step up and lead when your team needs leadership. And damn if he didn't do that today. I mean, you know, working, you know, to uh, get the puck off of McKinnon in the corners and then just flicking it on net. And yes, he got some luck. It was, it was, it was kind of a lucky goal, but you need that in hockey sometimes. And, you know, to me, the biggest thing of that goal wasn't so much the hard work that, you know, O'Reilly did, which was huge, or the fact that he got lucky scoring that goal by banking it off the defenseman. It was the look on his face afterwards. He wasn't celebrating. He, but yet he had a he had like that you know to use a old term the eye of the tiger you know right afterwards like this was him saying come on guys let's fucking go um, you know I, I'm gonna take I'm gonna put this team on my back and hop on or get the fuck off and right. um, and the team responded I mean it, it it was you know this is the best team probably in hockey right now Colorado arguably um, and they they got a big win when they were coming off a bad juju I mean it's you know, I, I felt like celebrating alongside the lake here, for instance. You know, I mean, just, you know, yeah. I saw your I saw your uh, porch video uh, a couple of games ago, uh, Mason. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I Inspired. know a guy that has a pretty nice porch, my dad. So mm-hmm. here, here we are. And I just, well, cut, I just need to cut in real quick. Just so you know, we have uh, reached our allocation of fucks on the uh, Facebook stream. We're already at nine. So at nine. be careful. <laughs> We're, we're we're at nine right now. Really? Is someone, yeah, is we doing... we, dro- we dropped a few before you came on. Oh, very nice. <laughs> you, you, I, I think we were all expecting to drop like all the fucks today because of the way they were playing. In fact, the graphic that I made for this episode was made last night when it looked like all hope was lost, and you know we still are kind of wondering where Tarasenko is on offense. But I mean, I did watch him in the defensive zone, and it's it you know he. He looked good in the defensive zone. I mean, he was he was back checking. He was getting in the shooting lanes. He was you know right in front of Bennington. You know, uh, very active. And you know, he's he's never going to be a Selkie guy. He's never going to be a Ryan O'Reilly guy. But you you at least prefer seeing that as opposed to the Tarasenko we saw the other night, who was stapled to the boards and wouldn't get out of the corner. You know, he might as well. You know, I mean, he was so far away from the play, he might as well have been in Yaroslavl back in Russia. You know, mm-hmm. it, was, it was so bad. Yeah. So. Uh, the one thing about the Ryan O'Reilly, uh, how he has stepped up and, you know, his, like you said, he didn't celebrate after the two goals. He had that, like, let's fucking go kind of confident aura about him. He had the exact same aura that Logan Couture had two years ago uh, against Vegas in game seven. You know, he had that once they got that first goal, Logan Couture's like, that's one. They got the second, that's two, that's three. Keep up the momentum. And that's the that very few players in this league. I can think of Ryan O'Reilly, Logan Couture, Sidney Crosby, Alex o- Andrew Ovechkin. Those are the only four captains that I can think of that can properly express that aura like Ryan O'Reilly did. So, well, and look at what he did on his third goal of the night. It wasn't, he wasn't looking to score into the empty net. His first mindset was, okay, let me just get around the player, chip it off the boards. Oh, look, it came back to me. 
I put it in the net for the game or for the empty net goal. That that's just his workmanship attitude and the hard work, hard hard work. That's all he does before practice, after practice, during practice, in games. He's just a workhorse. And and going back to his first goal, that was a workman like effort. You know, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. He didn't get the stick lift on McKinnon first off right away, but he made McKinnon feel him there. And then he get the stick lift. Works hard. Yeah, he loses the puck to McKinnon, but it doesn't get out. He still keeps hustling, slides it between the defender's uh, stick, then tries to dish it off to Thomas, but it hits Devin Tay's stick. And for some reason, Devin Tay shoots it on his own goal. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> but that, that's the whole point of Ryan O'Reilly. Hard work does pay off. And yes, you can sit there and bitch and moan all you want about having to work hard, but it's gonna you're going to get rewarded for it. And that's what happened with Ryan O'Reilly. And then the second goal, we've we've I've talked many a times about how great Devin Dubnik has been against the Blues. He has had a good record against the Blues. He's mm-hmm. played well against the Blues, but as of late, he has not looked great. That goal, uh, number two, I don't know where he was going. I mean, I know he was anticipating the pass, but holy shit, the amount of space he left <laughs> right around. the National Hockey North. League. Like, come on. This That's is the terrible. National Hockey League, Devin. Devin like, Dubnik is barely NHL quality at this point. He is so bad. And I don't know why people, why teams keep throwing money at him, the, at least the amounts that they do, because he is just, he's awful. And you know what? He's, he's usually awful against the blues, you know? So it was like, when I saw that he was starting, you know, I was like, okay, we might have a chance. We might have a chance because it's Dubnik and we torch Dubnik every single time. It's uh, it, it's a beautiful thing to see. And going back to what you were talking about a little bit earlier, Tom, about, you know, not like if you watch the blues, it tells one story versus listening to the blues. You know, I was watching the end of the first period and this was after the three goal push and they're up three to two and you're like, okay, I feel good. They're playing well. But then the last like minute and a half of that period was typical blues fashion. I mean, just wide open guys posts the snow angel by Bennington to, to at least keep the puck out. And then the last seven seconds, you're sitting there going, okay, Avalanche had the puck in their own zone. They're just going to kind of bring it. No, they get two quality scoring chances and barely miss tying that game up before the, the period's over. It gave you flashbacks and PTSD to what was going to happen against the Avalanche in that second period. Thankfully, they only allowed one goal in the second, but they have a, ni- a negative 19 goal differential in the second period right now. Yeah, it, it it's bad. And, you know, there it wasn't even just the second period, though. There were a few times where they let the Avalanche players just have their way in the offensive zone. Uh, even Pierre Maguire, the, you know, blind, you know, blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then he pointed, you know, he said something to the effect of uh, uh, no, uh, um, like there, there was no restriction. No no, no coverage. Cover- yeah, uh, no coverage. No, yeah, no coverage. And and that was true. When, when McCarr made that wraparound, which by the way, Cole McCarr, let's just I mean, he's a he's a he is gonna be a top five NHL defenseman for at least the next 15 years. He oh, is yeah. that freaking good. So obviously, you know, credit needs to go to McCarr, but at the same time, though, like he found that opening to do that ba- uh, uh, you know, wraparound because there was nothing stopping him from going behind the net to do so. You know, and and there was that. There was another opportunity where I think it was uh, uh, Taze and Sod that were like right in front of Bennington's grill, and there was not a Blues defender around. And then then that play that you mentioned in the second period, it just it it's they need 
to I know understand that part of the Blues issue in recent years is you know they haven't had the you know wealth of puck moving defensemen in the past. I feel they've overcompensated for that big time. Like there's they they need to find themselves a people mover you know this off season and I and I think there still will be changes this off season even if the Blues make the oh, yeah. playoff you know or not. Uh, th- this is not where this is this is not the team or excuse me this is not the place. You built this team to be in. You know, you spent you spend all this money to re up. You know, Braden Shen. Uh, you give Biddington a lot of money. You get Tory Krug a lot of money. Justin Falk a lot of money. You don't give those guys these big contracts. Deplete your farm system so you can barely finish fourth in a division. Um, changes still need to be made this off season. Um, I I and, and what they are obviously Doug Armstrong. Look, Doug Armstrong. He is a magician. At times, something he can make, he can, he can make some maddening moves on you as well. But one thing is for certain with Doug Armstrong, you'll never know wh- uh, what's coming until it actually happens because mm-hmm. he never tips off. He didn't tip off the media on O'Reilly. He didn't tip off the media on Braden Shen. He didn't tip off the media on Tory Crew, and he didn't tip off the media on Justin Falk either. So trust the process, I guess, as they say. Right. But yeah, they, they, had, yeah, the, the, the wide open looks were, were definitely concerning. I mean, and of course, look, the ads are good. The ads are very good. They're, this is a team that looks, you know, even though they lost today, they look, they look very much in sync on offense and, you know, they, they know the spots to get to and, you know, you're going to have a hard time stopping that, you know, by mm-hmm. itself, but there are definitely areas they can improve on. So, that being said, you look at this, and if the Blues get into the playoffs, this is potentially their their matchup is against Colorado. And I, I think you may have put out something earlier this week about it, about do you think the Blues can beat Colorado or how many games can the Blues take against Colorado if they play them in a seven-game series? This is just one game, but we've also seen a little bit of how they played the last couple of games against Colorado. It's a far cry from that 8 nothing loss they had the, first, uh, the second mm-hmm. game of the season. Yep. Does this team actually legitimately have a chance of pushing Colorado to the brink, if not beating them in a seven-game series? Because I mean, I think they kind of do. Everything kind of has to fall into place. But this team thrives as an underdog. We've seen it the past few years. They, they tend to win games where they're not even slated to even compete. Do, do they have a shot at beating a Colorado team in the playoffs if it comes down to it? Go for it, Tom. Uh, I was going to say, we kind of talked about this a little bit with Corey. And for one, Arizona is not confident about, uh, or at least their fans aren't confident about uh, pushing uh, the the avalanche to the brink. Understandable. Um, they're, they're, they're in the same boat we are, you know, in, in a lot of ways, at least, at least Corey Crenshaw is. Um, you know, I think I said maybe one game, you know, maybe game six at the most. Even though they won today, I mean, consider. I mean, look, the, it's one win against how many losses against the Abs this year. I mean, yes, but I think they're capable of at least getting to Game Six. I just, I still am not confident enough to say they'll get to Game Seven. There's still, um, this team's still got issue, you know, and and, and one of those issues is Pareko. I mean, Pareko oh, is, is was taken out of the game. Oh. He might be he might be out again, which I know it hurts. It hurts. I mean, even even though he was not 100 percent since he came back, I mean, he's still a presence out there and a presence that the Blues needed. I mean, he uh, even at 80 or 70 percent or however much he was. I mean, I still appreciated having him out there. Mm -hmm. But if if there's no Pareko, 
there's going to be a huge issue there uh, against the Avs. Definitely. Well, the other thing about that is, like I, I've said before, I I'm fairly confident in a game six, not in a game seven, but I'm fairly confident it can go to six games. Um, but you know, I'm I expect five, but I'm confident. I I think that the Blues can pull one. I think the Blues can put make. Well, if we think about it, if we really break it down, I think the Blues can get a solid win in a six game series, and I think they can get a lucky win you know a game where the abs just don't play well you know so that that's what i think that's that's my logic behind a game six if not you know it's i i mean looking at the colorado avalanche right now it's a hard a lot of people have a hard time believing they're ever going to have an off game i mean if you, even this one they did not have an off game you know colorado played really well i don't know if you guys saw like the deserve a win a meter if you guys <laughs> if you guys have heard of that yeah colorado had an 85 percent deserve to win out of 500 simulations so this was, you know, this this wasn't like a one-off for the Abs. They played great. And honestly, they did deserve to win. But the Blues just, you know, the, the Blues never gave up. And here's another problem, too, if, we, if you're looking at a series with the Avalanche. The Blues record, and I, I don't have it in front of me, obviously. I'm sitting by a lake, for God's sakes. There's, you know, I mean, and my dad doesn't have Wi-Fi. Um, but um, he, the, the, the Blues record against Colorado in Denver the last couple of years has been atrocious. Um, and especially Jordan Bennington. Jordan Bennington has issues in Denver. It's it, it's 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 I can't explain them, but he never seems to play well uh, against the Avs in Denver. And of course, the Avs are going to have home ice. You know, they'll have at least four games. So um, if the Blues are road warriors, you know, like they were in the 2019 Stanley Cup, they're going to have to figure out how to break the bad juju in Colorado and get some wins in Colorado. Because as we know, uh, the Blues at home during the playoffs can be, you know, about a 500 team. You know, so it's it's that that's going to be a huge, huge thing that they have to overcome. But you know what? That's yeah, I, I feel teams, you know, to, to, to get to the promised land, to get the glory, if you will, they have to beat some demons to get there. Like I know for the longest time, the Blackhawks were the blues demons, you know, um, in, the, in the, especially like in the late two thousands, early 2010s, they Troy Brower gets that game winning goal in game seven demon slade uh, San Jose, you know, the blues and San Jose have some bad, you know, memories, you know, of, of the playoffs, especially the president's trophy year. But just again, you know, the blues and California teams just don't, don't mix. They beat San Jose in the Western conference finals to make it to the finals. You know, so it just, mm-hmm. you know, they have to, it, it just, it's just, there, there is no easy path to the Stanley cup and the blues will need to overcome not just themselves, but maybe just some, as I said, bad juju, uh, if they're going to win over the avalanche in the playoffs, which I feel weird saying, because I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to be hard pressed for them to actually win a series. If they're currently constructed. I mean, you you talk about losing Pareko after the first period, I think Dunn actually exited the game as well. And he's going to be reevaluated tomorrow as well. So you're potentially down two defensemen. You did get a guy in Robert Thomas back into the lineup though. And that's a good sight to see. He uh, had a decent game. He's a minus one. He had a giveaway. He was 50% on the faceoff dot. So an okay game coming back, but it, it felt like a different energy when he was on the ice. You heard his name a lot more in the offensive zone. He was carrying the puck a lot more. Now, granted, he still needs to fucking shoot the puck. <laughs> but 
But you're hearing his name in the offensive zone, which means the puck is on his stick and he's making plays. I've talked in the past about how this team is wildly different when Jaden Schwartz is out. Can we say the same thing about when Robert Thomas is out? Now that he's back, having a Schwartz mm-hmm. and, and Thomas combination, this is a different team. And maybe that's another piece that allows this this team to kind of go on a little bit of a run here before the playoffs start. Right. Well, well the he, thing. The, go ahead. Nathan. Okay. Yeah. The thing about um, the thing about Robert Thomas and Jaden Schwartz is when Jaden Schwartz is on the ice, they the Blues play confident. When Robert Thomas is on the ice, they play like playmakers because they they get wide open. They get open in places where maybe, you know, it's a little harder for other players to get because they people know that Robert Thomas is going to find the puck on your stick. He just has a way with the puck where he can pass it at ridiculous areas. So they give off two different auras to the team whenever they're on the ice. But yeah, for, in general, you can say that Robert Thomas does bring an effect, you know, whenever he's on the ice. You know, it's it's so easy to forget the effect that Robert Thomas does have, though, because he's been out for so long. And and, and it's it's I had to be reminded, you know, by looking at my Robert Thomas jersey and you and Wags, you can look at yours as well. And yet and it suddenly is like, oh, wait a second. I got this jersey for a reason over other players. Why did I do that? Hmm. Well, it's because he is such a special player and he's such a special talent. Yes, he needs to shoot the fucking puck. Uh, that should be – we should get that on a shirt. You know, Robert, shoot the fucking puck. Shoot or, the fucking puck. Or hashtag shoot the fucking puck. So, you know, he he needs that. Seriously, he's got a good shot. I mean, he you know he, he almost got the game winner in Dallas in 2019, you know, in game seven. It just, mm-hmm. it just planked off the post and – Luckily, Pat was there, but um, you know, since he's come back and 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 today, for really today, was kind of like he was showing us why we got those Robert Thomas jerseys. He was showing us why we were raving about him for so long, and that he's just such a special talent. You know, you're, you're mm-hmm. right. He he does bring a different energy out there on the ice. He's an expert stick handler, a great playmaker, and yes, he still needs to you know shake off the rust a little bit i mean when you're when you're out as long as he is and you know unfortunately he was out again for just a little bit because of another injury um you know you're you're gonna need a couple games to get back into it but if he can be the spark that the blues need on offense like i wonder if, if he's looking good out there if you pair him up with tarasenko to get him going you know, as well. I mean, you know, the, the idea is, you know, when, when you shake up your pairings, I mean, yeah, we can joke about them, you know, about how Craig Ruby just throws them in a cocktail shaker or blender and then, you know, just, you know, just splashes them out and takes and takes however they lie. I mean, the Lions the past couple of games have been kind of weird, um, but there is a reason that he does that. And that is because he's looking for chemistry. He's looking for a spark. And if if we can get Robert Thomas going again, maybe we can get Tarasenko going again as well. But, you know, but that's that that leads to another problem with Robert Thomas. And that is, OK, he's coming off two injuries. Do we need to worry about Robert Thomas being made of glass or do you think, mm. or do you, or, or, or do you, or do you think that uh, he'll be fine? We had that same question about Jaden Schwartz and he's been relatively healthy the last year and a half, two years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just think it's more about building muscle onto that frame more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not so much. He's made of glass and, and you got to remember the last injury he was out with was a reported concussion. And that's something that size isn't really going to change. You've got big guys that get concussions, small guys that get concussions. So I'm not, I'm not worried right now. Now, if we get three more years into the future and he is missed a significant portion of each of those seasons, 
yeah, whole different story. But I, I'm not too terribly worried about it right now because what the mm-hmm. other one, broken thumb going yeah. on, you know, awkward That's into the boards. Yeah, it's not like he's getting injuries that are because he's small or right. what have you. I think it's just a matter of fluky injuries and he's going to be fine. Just get a little bit more muscle on that frame. Yeah, the only time that we'll have to worry about Robert Thomas injuries is like a shoulder injury or a knee injury. Those are the yeah. two career killers. You can see it with, you know, you see that with Carl Gunnarsson, you know, that knee injury, career killer, he's done. Well, he's shoulder done. injuries he, and, I mean, shoulder injuries, I mean, Tarasenko still is, has not been the same. You yeah, know, well, he's been latest. better than I thought he would, but he, yeah, yeah, you're right. He's not the same. He still looks kind of, as I said, he looks still still looks a little tentative on offense. For you know, he he doesn't want like 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 Panger uh, when he was you know doing his you know I'm gonna stay in the corner act. I mean, Panger was begging Tarasenko get to the net, get to the net, and he just he wasn't. And I, I just mm-hmm. I don't know I don't know if that's if he's still being a little worried about his shoulder and re-injuring it again because uh, we don't know a lot about the exact mm-hmm. surgery that Tarasenko has. So yeah. uh, I know Rutherford did an article with a couple of uh, uh, surgeons that uh, they speculated as to um, you know what kind of recovery he's gone through and the possibility mm-hmm. of re-injuring it. Uh, right. So you know you have to wonder if that's the case. But it kind of brings up another question here, and we 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 broached this a couple of times. Times and we we were we, the, the Seattle question basically. So um, be, at the beginning of the season, we were thinking maybe Tarasenko is a guy you expose to Seattle because you don't think Seattle is going to take him and his contract and his injury history altogether. Then he came back, and, and you know, and 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 Mason, you and I, you know, can agree he looked he he looked good coming back, and you know, he looked to serve, and now he's kind of pulled back a little bit, at least on offense. Bit. Um, but it kind of begs the question here, if, if this is the Tarasenko we're going to get and who is probably still going to be an okay player at at the very least, I mean, he's he's never going to be a bad player. Um, it kind of brings up the question again, where you're probably, if you're Doug Armstrong and you're making your protection list, you know, we, we, we've all done them at least once or twice ourselves. It usually comes down to, for that last forward spot, David Perron or Oscar Sundquist that you want to protect. Um, if that's the question, does the question of do you expose Tarasenko instead of those two come up? Uh, what do you guys think? Oof. Wags, go for it. <laughs> Thanks. I need, I'll jump I need on, a second. I need I'll a second. Jump because... on that grenade right there. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think it, that's a difficult question because I think at the beginning of the year you would say, "Oh yeah, take protect David Perron and protect Oscar Sundquist." But now you've got Oscar Sundquist coming off of ACL injury. You've got uh, mm-hmm. David Perron who has kind of disappeared the last couple of weeks of this season. He has. Um, and then you've got Tarasenko who are not really sure what you've got. So really, are you going to sit there and say you want you want to protect any one of those guys? Because will Seattle take a rehabbing Oscar Sundquist? Who, yes, he is still relatively young, mid twenties. Uh, he come back and play well. I still think the Blues should protect Sundquist because he does just like Schwartz, just like Thomas, brings a different energy yes. to this team. And when he's out, there's a big difference. Tarasenko, you might be able to expose him because of his contract length and his, and, and its size in a sense. Uh, does Seattle want to pay that? I think Seattle is going to be smart. They're they're going to go after if you're going to go after a guy that has a big contract, you're going to want to make sure that he is somebody that's going to produce for you. So yeah. I, I would almost sit there and say, yeah, you probably do expose Vladdy because Seattle probably won't take him. And if they do, 
I mean, are we really losing a whole lot right now? And I, I don't mean that in any way as, as a slight to Vlad because he's he's lived and died with the city. He's wanted to bring a cup to St. Louis. He did that. But it wasn't him per se that brought it the, the cup here. That's the thing. Maybe he needs to go to a Seattle and feel like he's that guy again. Because I don't know if he feels like he's that guy anymore. No. He came, he came here, he was the guy. Then Alex Petrangelo came here. He became the guy and took this team to a different level. And now Ryan O'Reilly's the guy. And he's maybe not succeeding, but he's the guy that everybody looks to. Vladdy seems to have gotten lost in the shuffle. Yeah. Maybe he is okay with that happening where he goes to Seattle and becomes a guy that they go, oh, hey, this is the guy that we got. We want him on our team. That may change him, and that may be detrimental to the Blues. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword, but I think you do expose him in the hopes that Seattle looks at that price tag and goes, no, nah, I think we're okay. And Mason, before you unleash, I, I, I do want to – one of the reasons I thought of this question was watching Ryan O'Reilly today. Uh, you know, like he – I remember after the first uh, – they, they showed a shot of O'Reilly after the first two goals uh, on the bench, and he was pissed. He was slamming his stick, and he was just upset, and he was fed up, and he had enough of this shit. And then he goes out and scores, you know, a hattie today and basically spurs his team – to you know, to come out of its funk and get a big win over over Colorado today, that's a reason why he and not Tarasenko was named captain. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if Tarasenko has that in his locker to where he can just take the team on his back and lead them to promise. He's shown flashes of that in the past, but Tarasenko, the issue with the Blues, you know, in the last couple of weeks, he's been part of the problem. He's not been the solution. And, and so if you're looking at, you know, and, and, and if he's still sulking over not being named captain, hey, that's that's his issue. That's his deal. I don't think it's that, though. Uh, but I think it just, you know, what, what O'Reilly did today kind of highlights, you know, why I kind of think that maybe Tarasenko, it might be time to move on with him. What, what do you well, think, Mason? Like you said, you know, O'Reilly was pissed, goes out there, scores a goal. They actually panned the camera to the bench to see Tarasenko after the second goal. You know what he did? He did this. What? shucks He's and like, that's, oh, been well. his, that, that's been that's been his mo for the past couple of weeks like even uh jim I, I forget who it was it was jim thomas or jeremy rutherford kind of noted that in the last few games tarasenko has looked like disinterested like he like he doesn't want to, he'd, he'd rather be doing something else right now i mean i mean today he he kind of woke up a little bit at least on his own zone but it's concerning mason that you know he is you know he he has this in him where he gets sulky and he right. just doesn't doesn't produce yeah well as a big player in the locker room like he is like a respected name you don't want to see that guy sulking that no. just brings the whole room down you know, you don't want to see, you know, arguably you, the heart and soul of this franchise for ever since he was drafted. You don't want to see him being the guy who's like, oh, shucks. Oh, well, we just got scored on. So my so and this is not a diss to Vladdy because obviously we all love him. We all love yeah. what he brought to this team. And he he was a key piece of that Stanley Cup. He, re- he really was. He was. You, you expose him to Seattle, I think you do. It's not. It's not a. It's not a, a personal thing. It's. It's really. It's just. You want to look. You. You want to save that spot for somebody. You want to save that spot for somebody else. As many spots as you can get. And even then, I don't think like he's not going to take being exposed personally. In fact, I think he would like to be selected by Seattle. If I'm perfectly honest, because like you said, yeah. he wants to be that big figure in the locker room, the franchise cornerstone, like he was two years ago. He wants that again. 
And yeah. I have a feeling that if he is brought in that position, I think he does really well. That's where he plays his confident hockey. And I think if he does that with Seattle, then that's going to be a scary team if he's at the helm there. But yeah, it's just you want to save that spot for as many logical players as you get. You want to save it for a Sunquist. This is not, despite yeah. this, even though it's a knee injury, Oscar Sunquist is going to come back and he's going to be come back just fine. All right. I don't see that just because of how Sunquist is as a player and everything he's gone through in his entire career, he'll be back. He'll be fine. I'm, I'm not worried about it. All right. There's like an 80 20 chance he won't be fine. So I, I'm not worried about that. But. You yeah, you want to save that spot for an Oscar Sundquist. And even and even then, you know, it is bait. It bait is bait. If they take him, worst case scenario, they take him, we lose seven and a half million for the next three years, which is pretty good. Yes. You know, and uh best case scenario, he sticks around, honestly. Because and maybe, you know, and maybe I, don't see, he, I don't see I don't see a losing scenario there. And maybe if he leaves, I guess Clem Costin is opening to you know secure a, at least a top nine role, maybe a top six as you know other oh, yeah. pieces kind of move around. Um, you know, the, the, and the thing with Tarasenko, if he does go to Seattle, yes, the spotlight's on him. He gets the James Neal treatment, you know that uh, yes. Vegas you know got where that he's this veteran, proven scorer with a big cap hit. Um, the first the, the first jerseys, the first Kraken jerseys that go out will be blanks, and then you'll have Tarasenko Kraken jerseys yes. going out. Because he is a proven moneymaker. He moves jerseys. That, that's just the fact of the matter. He'd be a very interesting figurehead for them. But to be quite honest with you, I don't think Seattle takes Tarasenko if he is exposed you know, and, and freely available. They're going to probably look at a guy like a Vince Dunn, who is still young and is the analytics darling. Um, but he does have a rep around the league, and he's still, you know, would be under team control for a little while. He might be a guy they look at. They might look at a guy like, uh, like Barbashev. I mean, you mm -hmm. know, Barbashev, he's not a, I mean, he's a guy that, you know, I don't think he quite provides the same spark as Sunquist, but he's very similar. And, mm -hmm. you know, he's, he's a guy that's some kind of, you know, figure that he could be like a good third line center you know, right. for them, you know, and, and he's got that ability. Maybe they go for a Sammy Blay who has shown flashes of being, you know, a very capable, you know, NHL forward. He's a heat seeking missile. He likes to throw the body. Um, you know, he'll get you a few scrappy goals here and there, but he's also cheap, you know, and, and mm -hmm. so he, he doesn't have a big cap hit. So if, if Seattle is going to be, you know, another repository like Vegas is for big contracts, you know, like if they take on a David Clarkson type of a contract, if they take on James, Neal, you know, they take on, you know, a, a flurry type. Um, I mean, they're probably, they, they, I wouldn't be surprised if they take Tyler Johnson from Tampa Bay because mm -hmm. Tyler is from, you know, the Pacific Northwest yes. and he knows the area and you want that hometown, you know, moxie. Um, so that's, you know, so, so Seattle, if you're Seattle and Ron Francis, you're thinking, okay, how much money do I have? And do I want to allocate seven and a half million dollars to a questionable star? Or do I want to spend a lot less and get a solid young pot, you know, puck moving defenseman in mm -hmm. Vince Dunn, which you can debate the solid part, but that's the rep he has. Well, I tell, I'm saying I, I, that's where we're going to disagree because I think, I think if Tarasenko's exposed, I think Seattle's taking him. You know, because they, how many star players like of his caliber are going to be exposed in the draft? There might Very be a couple little. from. Well, there'll be a couple from some bigger teams that you know, like uh -huh. like the Avalanche are going to have a conundrum on their hands for one. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I don't envy them in that part. But I mean, yeah. like, I think I think Ron Francis will bite on that. You know, I, I 
I have a feeling, you know, if he's exposed, I have a feeling Ron Francis would want to do something like that. Because, like you said, he is a jersey seller. You want to get the people in Seattle, right? They're already excited. My dad is telling me everything about Seattle. They are so excited for this damn team. Like, it's nuts. There's bumper stickers everywhere. You know, I don't know if you remember, they had like 1,500 limited jerseys or something like that. Sold out just like that. And they sold it for like $3,000 each or something like that. And they just went out just like that. So that that place is excited. You want to give them something to be excited about. And Tyler Johnson is another good one. I actually think that Tampa Bay is going to protect him. If 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 I if I be I think that they well they they they, they they let him go on waivers for free for anyone to take though you know so I think they I think they want him gone and they might be in a situation where they you know go to Seattle and say hey look you, you might be taking him anyway but you know how about a prospect just to make sure that you do because we need yeah. the money because we're broke that makes sense what if the Blues do something like that for Tarasenko Doug Armstrong won't um, I don't th- what I, they, would you he, want okay that's not what I asked I asked would yeah. you want that. No, I, I don't think you need to get rid of Tarasenko. There's there, I mean, you, you don't need to go to Ron Francis and say, hey, we'll give you a pick if you take uh, one of the best you know, scoring forwards of the past decade and the cover star of NHL 17. Mm-hmm. Um, nah, I, I don't think you do. I, but I, I think you maybe just you, you throw them out there as you know, maybe some interesting bait to mm-hmm. protect some other players. That's basically what you're doing it for. Um, but, uh, you know, Wags, if Tar- let's just say hypothetically – Seattle does take Tarasenko. What do you think that does to the Blues fan base? Or, or, or what? Uh, how do you think they'll react? I don't think it'll be as uproarious as people think because this team has changed so much over the last few years. I mean, we, look what happened when Alex left. I mean, yeah. It's there really everybody. wasn't that big. There wasn't, wasn't that big of a protest after that. It really you know? was. Everyone was we sad, understood. but we all said, you know what? We what we said as fans, we said, chase that bag. Go do your thing. Go win a cup with Vegas is what is what Blues yeah. fans said. And I, I think, think they're gonna do the same thing with Tara Singer. They're gonna be like, you know what? Go win a cup with Seattle. Go, 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 go be, be the face of the franchise. We love you. Yes. I think that's gonna happen. I don't think they're gonna be like, Doug Armstrong, you need to be fired. I already say that, but that's not why. You know, I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna protest like fuck Doug Armstrong because of that. I I would say that for many other things, not that. Are you think this is gonna piss me off? No, I've been cheering for this team for ten years. I know this is this is nothing. All right, but uh, I I think you know same thing with Tarasenko. It's gonna happen with you know Petra- same thing with Petrangelo. We'll probably happen with Tarasenko. I, I'm going to agree. I'm gonna sit there and say this too. It, this could be good for the Blues. Twofold. Either they expose Tarasenko, he gets taken, the money comes off the books, what have yeah. you, or they expose him, he doesn't get picked, and he goes, Well, fuck you. I'm going to show you what you missed out on, and comes out like a man on fire. So it could work in, in, in the Blues' favor either way. So this, and it could be a, a point that Doug Armstrong makes too. Like he's going to fire a shot across the bow. He's going to say, Hey, look, you're not good enough for us to protect. If you're here, Show us why. If not, hey, good luck in Seattle. I mean, that it could work in the Blues' favor either way. Either you get the money or you get a renewed Vladimir Tarasenko who's, like, pissed off because he didn't get picked because the team in Seattle, who could pick anybody they want, didn't pick him. 
And, and that, is a, that is an excellent point and something I hadn't even thought of, but you're right. That might be a spark for him just to kind of, you know, get him going. And, you know, if he does go off like that, great. Then it's, 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 it's a victory. Um, and, and knowing Tarasenko like we do, you know, when, when he came out of Russia, you know, and when the Blues picked him in the first round, uh, there was some question over whether he would come over. But, you know, right away, I think Tarasenko quashed that right away and said he he's coming over. He wants to compete. He wants to compete, compete against the best. Uh, he's always had a chip on his shoulder a little bit, you know, to uh, prove himself and prove him, himself as one of the best athletes in the world, you know, not, you know, and, and, and especially hockey. So maybe that is a spark that resets him and gets him back, you know, into that mentality. That's a good point. I heard yeah. that. Oh, what would you hear? The dogs barking. <laughs> uh, th- yeah, they're they're from all the way across the lake. I mean, sound travel over the lake. Yeah, they're oh, they're all hell. the way across the lake. Way 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 behind me here, like right around here somewhere. I'm glad oh, that boy. there was a pause there so we could have heard that because I was like <laughs> fucking amazing. I thought that was wags, and I was like, is it like is no. it like drowning me out or no 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 no? no, no. It was just like it was like a very little yep. but we heard it very clearly you know it was very funny it's not like interfering you know, that was weird like oh, yeah. i was like wait where did that, did that come from? i was wondering if it came from me because <laughs> I, I have some neighbors with some really annoying dogs but i oh, mean all boy. right all right well i want to get to a, a fan question here real quick we were we kind of went off on a tangent talking about tarasenko and the expansion draft in seattle but getting back to the blues current situation we talk about how the blues just aren't playing well they get the good win today but what happens if they go on a decent run joe my, my, you know, one of my co-hosts over on crunch time said with all this being said if they finish the season on a decent run does that change your perspective on if the blues have the ability to go deeper in the playoffs Let, let's say they roll off in, in, in a string of wins they they beat the Avalanche, they go in, maybe they sweep Minnesota in the three-game set, what have you. What if they end on a decent run and start to look better? Does that change your perspective on if this team can win in the playoffs? You want this one, Mason? Yeah, I'll take this one. Uh, it doesn't – that the question isn't – it, the question isn't, you know, posed at the end of the regular season. It's not can this team go far in the playoffs. The question is right now. Do we want the team to go on a decent run? Do we want the team? Because nothing about this season, I said this a thousand times, nothing about this season has told us that they can go on a good run. Nothing. All right? We went. We won three solid games, one against Vegas and two against Minnesota. That is it. And right after that, we shat the bet against Colorado. So I, I'm sorry. I'm still not convinced. So the question is, if, if the Blues can go on a decent run and finish the season strong, it's not a question of, you know, can the Blues make it run into the playoffs at the end of this regular season? Right now we're wondering, is it worth it? Do we want to just go for a lottery pick right now because we flat out know that we're not good enough? You know, that's that's the question. It's not like – it's not waiting until the regular – we, of course, we want them to go on a decent run. And, of course, we want them to go do well in the playoffs. We want that more than freaking anything. And this seat, this past offseason has proven that we're ready to do that. But our play on the ice just hasn't shown that. You know, if we can if we could go on a decent run at the last end of the, play, at, of the regular season and do well in the playoffs, go for it. I would love that more than anything. But – Right now, we just got to ask ourselves, is it worth it right now? Can we replicate the same performance that we did against Colorado that and 
carry that over to the next game and then the next game and then the next game. All right. I'm not fully convinced that we can do that. Well, and it's going to be tough because, you know, they've got one more against Colorado on Monday night. Then they've got three in Minnesota. That's going to be Wednesday, Thursday, and next Saturday. They get a little bit of a reprieve against Anaheim at home on May 3rd and 5th. Then they have to travel to Vegas, <laughs> travel to the Kings for a game, and then wrap up at home against Minnesota. It's it's not an easy uh, easy road. We said that we said the same thing about the Anaheim Ducks f- four weeks ago. We said, "All right, you're winning. You're playing Minnesota. Your reward is two easy games against Anaheim. We lost both of them, but we got a point in one of them. So I mean, that helps. we lost both of them. You hey, that, say that, that like, oh, we we're gonna we're gonna wipe over them after we take care of these guys. We're going to wipe over them. That's exactly what we said. But that That's one point, exactly that one point is what like. us in the playoffs right now. That I one don't point. Care. We're not going to. You cannot talk about any game against any opponent and say it's an easy win. It oh, doesn't not. work anymore. Nope. It really doesn't. And it doesn't. It really does. And and I'm, I'm looking at the standings right now. And is it safe to say that there's really a, a disparity between like the top nine teams and the rest of the league? Because, you know, look oh, at yeah. look at the standings. You know, in the central, you've got Carolina 67, Florida 65, Tampa Bay 64. Obviously, all three mm-hmm. making the playoffs. And the fourth oh, yeah. place team, the fourth place team sitting at 54 points. Uh, yes. In the East, you've got Pittsburgh at 65, Washington 64, the Islanders at 63, Boston's at 60, so that's a pretty competitive division. Mm. But then you got the North, Toronto 63, Winnipeg 57, Edmonton 56, then the drop-off of 49 to Montreal. In the West, Vegas 68, Colorado 66, Minnesota 63, and then the drop-off to the Blues at 46. Uh, we're just really setting up to have really about seven, eight teams that really have a legitimate shot of going. Oh, yeah deep and then everybody else and it goes to your point do we want to see the blues go through that even if they go on a decent run and and get into the playoffs a little bit easier than where we're at now do we really want to see them get destroyed by a vegas or a colorado or do we want to just count our losses and let this team rest well that's that's exactly the other point because the <laughs> okay there is a big difference between there there's a huge difference between all these teams and then everyone else okay this i this is one of this is going to be one of those playoffs where if your team is out of a playoff spot this is going to be the most entertaining playoffs to watch if you're like a detroit fan or a sense fan you are going to love these playoffs because there are so many teams that have the potential of winning you know there's no real clear cut winner we thought it would be toronto and then that happened against freaking canucks uh and then we thought the same thing about the avalanche and they did this they did this game. They lost to the St. Louis Blues, who has been mo- the most single most disappointing team this entire season, next to, ironically, Boston. So the Blues absolutely have a chance of winning. They absolutely do if they like stick to their guns and play like Blues hockey. But I'm still not convinced that they have that motivation. I'm right there with you. And unfortunately, uh, Tom's cell connection decided not enough stream. It had enough stream yard for today. So rest in peace, Tom. Yeah, rest in peace. Remember, don't be a chump and play to the whistle. We'll get to that. Don't worry, Tom. We'll have the excitement of play to the whistle at the very end. Of course, so of course. Glad, glad that he was able to, to jump in. Uh, 
let's let's just keep talking a little bit more about about what's going on with the Blues right now. Obviously, like we said, a tough tough schedule upcoming. Do man, I, I just don't even know where to go with this because. It's, no, no, let's start it's with so the no easy games once again. Let's start with the yeah. no easy games. Why is why aren't these teams? Why didn't we beat Anaheim? The reason we didn't beat Anaheim is because we flat out gave up. You know, we let Anaheim. I think Anaheim scored first in both those games, and we yep. said, "Oh, we are screwed," and we just crawled in a shell for the rest of the game. That's why we lost those two games. That's why the Blues have been losing most of their games this year is because they let they let themselves get scored on first, and then they're like, oh, shit, look at this predicament now. So I'm not sure where to take this either because we're all pissed. This and team is and this is coming so off of a win. Signals. This, this is coming off a win, and we're still pissed. Well, well we talked a little bit about this on, on last week's episode with Corey. And for me, it's you look at it and you go, this team, when they face just a little bit of adversity, they fold. Now, that's not the case two years ago in 2019. Case in point, the hand pass game. That's the biggest adversity this team has faced in the last 10 years, probably. And what happened? They said, we're coming back next game. We're going to play that game and, and we're going to win. They, they left it in the pass and moved on. Well, now they can't even le- they can't even let a small thing go in a game and move past it. One single itty bitty bit of adversity, and everything falls apart. They fall apart. They do. And now like today, Legos. today you look at it and it's like, okay, you get down two nothing. Well, they, they come, they battle back. But that's because Ryan O'Reilly, like we said earlier, stepped up and said, "I'm done with this." So. Do you see them actually being able to continue this, continue this down the road? Because, uh, look, I, I'll say this. A couple weeks ago when, when Bennington had the, yeah, we're coming quote, I was I was all for it. I know you weren't. I know you weren't. But I was all for it because it showed me he had confidence. This team had confidence. They, they were getting ready to go on a run. It, it still was a tough schedule. But it made me – it had shades of 2019. Well, then – the rest of the schedule happened. And now we're seeing this and we go, okay, Ryan O'Reilly put the team on his back. He, he basically showed them how to win. They came together. Hell, Mike Hoffman scored a goal and showed emotion today. Did you see the reaction after wow, he, he was like, excited. he did the whole boom thing. Yes. You know, he was, he was really excited. This is the most emotion we've seen out of him all season. The only emotion I've seen out of him this season. <laughs> So now you look at it and you go, okay, O'Reilly's working hard, carrying the team on his back. You're even getting guys like Hoffman showing emotion. Do we dare to believe that this team may have turned a corner or do we have to have more consistency for, before we can actually believe again? We need more consistency, way more consistent. Remember the blues lost. How many games did we lose before that? Like five? Or did uh, they have a five game They're on a three game losing streak. I believe three game losing streak, whatever, whatever. Losing streaks are losing streaks. It but felt like 12. We, Yes, we yeah, it felt like twelve. We were on this losing streak, and we're and we do one win game, and we're supposed to say, "Oh, we could be consistent the rest of the season." Frank, right off, buddy. All right, we're not. <laughs> we we just came off a three game losing streak, and we're all we beat. We barely beat the Colorado Avalanche tonight. You know, the Blues absolutely should not have won this game. So don't even try to tell me, oh, we need more consistent. Or should we believe? Should we believe we beat the Colorado Avalanche after losing to them three games in a row? We should believe again. No. What are you new here? But but, but hold on though. You, you gotta look at this though, okay? 
they they come off of the the three one victory against Vegas. Okay, they they had had the same issues against Vegas that they'd had against Colorado. They just they suck. They came the six one loss on that Monday night. I was at that game. They just looked listless. Mm-hmm. Then they came out and then they played a game just kind of like today, where they they said we've had enough. We're gonna play our best, and we went and they went out there and they beat one of the best teams in the West. And then they backed it up with a nine to one shellacking of Minnesota. Then they had the game on that Saturday against the Minnesota where, like, that's a game that the Blues should have lost too, and yet they found a way to win that game. So at that point, you've got a three-game winning streak. You've beaten one of your nemesises. Nemesis-I? Nemesis-I? I don't know what the plural form of nemesis Yeah, yeah nemesis Make up words now. But then, but then you go out and you beat a team that you haven't seen a whole lot of. They're still a good team. They were sitting third, and, and it puts you in range of getting into that third slot too. So you, you had confidence. And then for some reason, it, it's just like Tom said, they almost have a, a mountain to climb against Colorado. They, they come out, they're on that three-game winning streak. The game's 1-1 going into the second period. They have the second period of hell, give up three goals, but then they fight back and make it close. Then that game against Arizona. That's Arizona. They get up to a 2-0 lead, and then they blow it. And then Colorado, it's, it is. It's maddening and... You don't want to believe, but maybe, maybe this was a little bit of of a step up that mountain. This isn't us cresting the mountain. This is us taking that first step to maybe getting over the hump. It's going to take a playoff victory, a playoff series victory, I think, for for the mountain to be achieved against Colorado, and no pun intended being the avalanche and all, but... You know, if they get the first step here, Shut up. maybe maybe they take another step on Monday. Maybe it's not a maybe it's not a a dominant win, but maybe it's a two to one victory or something to mm-hmm. that effect, where they take another step up that mountain. Then they don't play in the rest of the year. They get into the playoffs and they win a playoff series against Colorado. That that right there can be a believable moment where mm-hmm. maybe they crest that hill. But it is going to come down to that consistency, and it really comes down to Monday night. What kind of team do we see Monday night? Regardless of injuries, regardless of anything else, what team comes out in the first period, and what do we see that entire game? Well, if the Blues want to show me consistency, they win five straight in five tough games. That's how they can prove to me that they're consistent. I want three like they did, you know, like I said, the Vegas and then two Minnesota games. Not like three. I want five solid games that are wins against tough opponents. That's what I want. If they can prove that, I will believe again. Okay. I will. You heard, you heard it here, St. Five. Louis Blues. You heard it That's here, St. Louis five. Blues. Five straight five victories. Solid, okay, not five straight victories. Five really solid efforts. Oh, All right. okay. If you lose one because you lose one, oh, well, teams lose. We know teams lose. If, if, you, if, if you give me five solid efforts, I'll believe again. But until then... I'm still on the train of go for go for a uh, go go for a draft pick. That's I'm still on that train because I don't want like I, like I've said a thousand times once again. I don't want to go into the playoffs to get bent over a table for four straight games against Colorado or Vegas. Most likely Colorado. Now it's always been Vegas. Now it's Colorado. We got that shit to look forward to. That five five solid efforts. Five. five solid efforts. That I don't sounds- think that's too hard because every oh. other team has given five solid efforts. Even Detroit has given five solid efforts. You know, for being Detroit, they've given five solid efforts. So that means that equals one win. But like, they play sixty minutes. We don't. But see, that's the, that's kind of been the Blues' mo for the last 
decade. I mean, you like you said, you've watched this team for the last ten years. Can you you could probably count on your hand oh, how many man, times yeah. this team has played a full solid sixty minute game? I mean, twenty nineteen back half of twenty nineteen had a fair it. bit of those, but other than that, no, no, so, not playoffs. I'm talking, but no. There, I can't think of very other than the 2018-19 season and the 15-16 season. Any other, I cannot. Each of those seasons had maybe five 60-minute efforts in each of those out of 82 games. That's terrible. And you're not going to sit there and say that 82 of those games need to be played 60 minutes. I mean, no. there's going to be you're going to have off nights, but you need to have a majority of games played at yes. a high level. You and need 40 of. You need 60 oh, yeah. percent of your games. You need yeah. 60, even 70% of your games have to be full 60 minutes. All right. We are lucky to get 10%. We're lucky. So does that where does that come from, though? Is that is that the coaching? Is it the, the management? Is that the ownership? What, it's what the, is it? It's it's the mood in the locker room. They go down, they get scored on all the time. That's there's a reason why the Blues have the most comeback victories this year out of any team. It's because they go down all the time and they just find a way to win somehow. You know, it's a it's the mood in the locker room. They just they lose. They, they they say they pack it up way too early. You know, they do that all the time. Okay, they need, they need like you go down by one goal, whatever. Keep playing. Who cares if you go down one? If you go down two, uh, still don't give up. You go down three, uh, still don't give up. Even if you go down five, if you if you go down seven, eight, let's say eight nothing. Eight, nothing. If you go down eight nothing, you know, fine, give up. I don't care. Like it's eight nothing. You're not winning the game. I I, I don't care. Just get you get on the freaking bus. But I know, man. Oh, I know. You're paid handsomely. Figure it out. It's it's pain, man. It's it's pain, 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 pain. And like I said, this is coming off of a victory. Uh, yes. So that, that, that's kind of what it is. Uh, a five-three victory today against the Colorado Avalanche. They came back from two nothing down. They blew a lead again in the second period, but then they found a way to win. They blow a lead. They blow a lead. <laughs> blow a lead again, and. They blew a lead. I forgot about that. You did, right? You <laughs> forgot. They were up three to two. They blew a lead oh, in the shit. second period. <laughs> the second period, you know, the minus 19 goal differential period. <laughs> the Blues can go down two nothing in a game and still blow a lead. <laughs> Do you realize that? The Blues can go down two nothing in a game and still blow a lead. Does that not blow anybody's mind? Uh, no, oh, it, it, it blows. Uh, no, it blows everybody's mind. I mean, like, it's serious. Like, it, to your point, though, this is a team that has the most comeback wins oh, in hockey. Shit. So they have the ability to score goals. That That's the mind-boggling part of all this. They have the ability to score goals. They have the ability to stop goals from going in because even if they go down early, they still have the ability to get back into games because of goaltending. Like, there's, like, Bits and pieces here and there. You know what? Honestly, you know what we need? We need Guy, the Hawaii Blues fan, to create a recipe like he did with the Blues defense earlier this year before the season started about really what kind of ingredients this Blues team has and how to properly mix them together to get an actually good result Mm -hmm. instead of having some shit come out of the oven actually have like some Hawaiian rolls come out of the oven. Like (laughs) he, he needs to do something like that to where 
bring the ingredients of the blues together to create something beautiful and magical versus kind of what the, you know, turd sandwich that we have kind of on our plates right now. Let's make Guy your defensive coordinator, our defensive coach. Let's let's do that. Or even better, let's make him the general manager. He can't be that much worse than Armstrong, right? He would no be No matter persistent. who you put in that GM, no matter who you put in that GM spot, he's going to be better. All right, it doesn't <laughs> matter. You could put nap, you could put you, let's see, used tissue, potato chip and penny from SpongeBob. Yeah, he didn't oh. do a better job than Armstrong. Oh, I don't know about that, but guy would be what? persistent. You really hey, think that a penny? Doug Armstrong, a pe- but Doug you really Armstrong's brought okay, in okay, really? Shen, Doug Armstrong's brought in Ryan O'Reilly. Yes, we bitched about him last year. Not me per se, but we Justin Falk was brought in by by Doug Armstrong. Yes, he's had some misses. Right now, now Tory Krug isn't necessarily a, a home run. Uh, yes, some of these other guys that he's I brought in have been great. Right, but still, I mean, he, but he's brought in these guys, so. It's not like he's driven this team to the ground, but he is doing a lot of things that he did when he was in Dallas, especially near the end of his tenure there, where you start to bring in overpriced guys, maybe some bloated contracts, maybe guys that don't fit the system that the coach wants to run. Hmm, weird. That this, this, that works. this is kind of like the signaling of maybe this is the beginning of the end for a guy like a, a Doug Armstrong. And if that's the case, is there someone that you target? To bring in, or or do you look internally at a guy like mm, I don't know, maybe an Al McKinnis as a guy that would be a good GM potential candidate? Not Brett Hull, not him, <laughs> not him. I love him, but no, he would get everybody, he would get everybody on the team wasted. So you yes, know that yes, might work exactly. in negotiations. No, exactly it. He'll might be like, work in hey, negotiations. Hey, what what would be a good what would be a good contract for Jordan Biggs? Seven by seven. That would be that would be it would be just wasted in the negotiation. It would not be well. But you know, <laughs> I, I Brett will stay right there. Yeah, but yeah. like uh, my logic is do you really think a, a penny, a chip, and a used napkin will give Jordan Biddington a six by six? I don't think so. Hence penny paper uh, pe- penny chip news used napkin is a better GM. That's that's my logic. That's my only logic. Uh, that's that's fine. Uh, I mean, I, I still think, you know. Not a good contract. Still not on that bus. I don't care if he had a career game. What happened the I'm next not, game? I'm not worried about a career game. I'm not worried about worried, worried about career games. You got to remember, you're paying him for, for services provided, which mm-hmm. I know, it, that's, but that's what, that's how every contract works. You're, you're paying yes. him for services provided. What other options do you have for the next couple of years? Yes, you can sit there and say, oh, you can go out and get a Frederick Anderson. Well, no, maybe not. He might be re-up by the, by the Leafs. Who, what other goaltenders out there may hit the open market that would at least be comparable to a guy like Jordan Bennington? I'm not sitting here saying he's a world-saving goaltender, but you've got to get from here to there, and that's three years, okay? Three years to see what you got in Joel Hofer or Colton Ellis or, or maybe even an Evan Fitzpatrick or a Billy Huso. I'm not saying Billy Huso is the answer. Not saying that at all. But you've Good. got three years that you need to have someone in net that has some pedigree, that has some talent and ability. That's what this contract is about. It's about paying yes. for services rendered, and it's about getting to the next step. After year three, if he performs at a level that is worthy of him continuing on that contract, that's great. That's a win for the Blues. If not, he has, yes, a partial no-trade clause, but he can be traded. And we've seen what Doug Armstrong's been able to do if he's still here in three years. Yes, you may have to package a first-round pick to get him out of here, 
but he's been shown to be able to do that. And guess what? In three years, I would bet you a million dollars that Toronto is still probably looking for a goaltender and <laughs> might just take a former Stanley Cup winner in Jordan Bennington and bring him back home to potentially win a Stanley Cup. So I get it. The money's not great. The no trade clause for the first three years. No, no, is okay. not that's great. not it. That's not it. That's not it. The money's fine. The length is ridiculous. But right. you've got I'm the okay. ability to move on after three I'm years. I'm okay. I'm okay with the seven by three. Honestly, I am. I'm okay with the six by three. I'm okay with a seven by three. I'm not okay with the six by three. Six years is too long. Because how many okay, when a player has a no trade clause, how often are they really traded? I mean, it's a good question. I, I mean, and, I, I'm and, not entirely sure. No Patrick Horst is the last one I can think of. I'm sure there's more, though. I'm sure there's there's more. But once again, if he plays up to the contract, then you've got him locked up for the next few years. But if he doesn't, you still have the option to get rid of him. And that's I think that's the thing. You, you're looking at it as a whole, and really you could look at it as a six-by-three. And then maybe it's another six by three if he plays to his potential. And that I think that's the thing. We got to get away from this big, and, and you see it more. And it, the NHL is not the NFL. The NFL is just royally screwed when they come to paying their players because you can cut anybody at any point in time. But when people look at the NFL, they say, oh man, this guy got a seven year, $175 million contract. Well, no, he's got a year contract worth $14 million, and he just so happens to have them lined up seven years in a row. They can cut him at any time. You have to look at the NHL contract. It's the same way when it comes to how long a guy may be here. I would say break it into two different contracts. It's a six by three now. It's a six by three in three years. Six by three now, he's got no trade, a no trade clause. The next one that comes along, it's a partial no trade clause, so you have the ability to move past if you need him. But I, I, that's why I'm okay with it. Not not in love with it, but I'm okay with it. If we get three years from now and Joel Hofer or Colton Ellis has just like set the world on fire, then yeah, maybe Bennington's a backup at $6 million for a year while they find a way to get to move on. They found a way to move past Jake Allen, which I wasn't a huge fan of myself, but they found a way to move on from Jake Allen, who was a high-priced backup. Yes, Bennington's a little bit higher priced, but I think in three years, the cap's going to be higher. Teams are going to be looking still. Toronto, somebody's going to pay to bring him in. So I look at it, I break it down a little bit further than just the chunk. I still get your I still get your frustration with it, mm-hmm. though. So I'm not saying sitting here saying you're wrong. I don't see Jordan Bennington mm-hmm. lasting six years here. That's so I get it. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I, I to, to, to be fair, and I don't want to see a single person say a Blues fan reacts as a Bennington hater because I absolutely I love him. I absolutely love him, and I'm glad that he's on this team. I'm not glad that he's on the team for potentially six years. You know, it's nothing against him, just like it's nothing against Tarasenko. But I'm... <laughs> I want to see, I want to see Hofer and Ellis here. I, I do as well. I, I think, do too. I think the hype around them and what they have both been doing in the minor league system has been exactly what the Blues needed. Mm-hmm. But we've also seen in the past the Blues have had those high end prospects in goal that maybe start off good and then kind of fade into existence pretty quickly. Um, I mean, really think about it. When's the last, when's the last time a really legitimate blues prospect in goal really made it? I'm going to say Jake Allen. I'm going to say Jake Allen because he was a hotshot young goaltender. He did come up through the blue system and he did play well. He won a Stanley cup with the blues, albeit not the starting goaltender, but his contributions cannot be overlooked. But before that, Curtis Joseph, 
Curtis Joseph has to be the last the, the last younger yep, goaltender. He's the last youngest, mm-hmm. younger goaltender that really the Blues were able to develop and actually make into a pretty decent goaltender. So I'm not going to hang my hat on Hofer and Ellis, and that's why I'm glad we have at least some sort of consistency in that. But I'm praying, I'm praying that Joel Hofer or Colton Ellis, Colton Ellis we've had on this show before, by the way, uh, will eventually absolutely tearing it up, by the way, Colton Ellis. I yes. think we... We might have bad luck when it comes to the Blues. We do not have bad luck when it comes to our interviewees. All right. We're pretty – we are batting a 1,000 right now. That was pretty impressive. He goes on our show. Next month, he breaks a shutout record and a win record. Okay? Hmm. And look at Jake Neighbors. He had a sweet-ass goal the other night as oh, well. Oh, my God. So, yeah. I mean, did you see Did you see Connor, uh, Connor uh, Bennard's goal oh. today? Disgusting. Look, I, I tweeted out – I saw that and I immediately I immediately tweeted out he's gonna break Gretzky's record. I'm confident. I played, I played hockey for the last oh 15, 16 years or so. And every time I see some of these highlight real goals, I, I I go outside, I look at my stuff and I go, What the fuck are you doing? You're you're nowhere near this level. Um <laughs> stop kidding yourself because some of the stuff these kids are doing, and yes, they're kids. I'm not a kid anymore. But it's just unreal. I mean, unreal. I, the sticks between the legs and just all of that stuff. I'm like, I'd kill myself trying to do that. I'm just gonna stick oh, to my David Backus play and just let the puck. You're hit David Backus play. That's your. That's who yeah. you are. I'm David Backus. I stand Backus. in front. I stand in front of the let, net. Let the pucks hit me and, and clean up the garbage. See, my coach has called me a Tom Wilson. So. That's who I was. So I, I, I can't. I, I can't say that I, I'm happy about that. But I mean, he's dude a got paid. Got a ring. Uh, he got a ring. Yes, he got a ring. I, I was. I was Tom Wilson. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, we're running a little long here. Uh, about a minute. A little over an hour here. Uh, yeah, we we talked about the Blues win. We bitched a lot more about the Blues win than I oh, thought yeah, we would we as well. Yeah, we bitched more than praised, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, <laughs> we certainly did. So, uh, any any final thoughts before we head out? Uh, anything new on the horizon on Blues Fan Reacts? <laughs> Maybe Jason will make an appearance tonight. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's looking like it. Oh, boy. Oh, oh gosh. Well, make, make sure you check it out over at Blues Fan Reacts over on Twitter and uh, anywhere else you can find it. Uh, make sure you check out Crunch Time, uh, my other podcast. We run nightly shows Monday through Friday at 9 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube, uh, talking about sports in general. And, and really, make sure you go to check out our podcast here on Blue Notes Pod because – we just we we just shoot the shit, man. We're just a regular normal podcast, and we love talking about the blues, whether it's good or bad. Uh, and you know, we really can't do that because without you guys, there's no blues fan reacts, there's no wags, there's no Tom Franklin, there's no hockey podcast network, and there's no blue notes pod. So as Tom Franklin would like to say, don't be a chump. And Mason, play to the whistle. A reminder that you can follow Blue Notes on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Blue Notes Pod. I'm the voice of the blues, Tom Calhoun. Jeremy Boyer, play us out.
You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.